What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode, the last interview of the year for Burn Your Books. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, um, for coming and joining me, your host, Matthew Lestalia, uh, on, on the show for, for the last full interview, like the last episode of the year of 2019. I, it's been an honor. I'm absolutely blessed uh, to have all of you that keep coming back and keep listening um, and that are going out there and sharing this with your friends and with your family um, and those that you feel will be touched by what it is that we're trying to do. Um, even more so, I'm so, I'm very, I'm so happy to have the guest on for this episode today, Rudy Dominguez. He is a father. He is a husband. He is a senior non-commissioned officer, master sergeant in the United States Army, and he's a, a he majored in business. Uh, in his education so his perspective on leadership is so it's thorough it's thoughtful and that's why i named the episode what i did uh, we didn't even talk about it in the conversation it didn't come up i was just when i listened to the whole conversation again i was prepping it for the day the same thought just kept coming up he's, he's such a mindful leader he espouses what it takes to to on the path of mindful leadership. And so it's, that's, that's what called out to me. That's why I named it that. Um, and he's, he's just, he's really phenomenal. His focus on his soldiers and those that, and the junior leaders, and providing them with the opportunities to succeed and to fail. It's, it's truly a leadership style worth modeling. And I'm happy to have had him on to that way. You can, you can get some insight into that. You can get the kind of behind the curtains of what it takes and, uh, and what it took for him to grow into the leader that he is. And the beautiful part about this is his work with uh, Team RWB, Red, White, and Blue, is uh, really bridges that gap between the military and the civilian sector. So even if you're not in the military, the leadership aspects that we discuss are absolutely perfect. So thank you so much. I, I'm like I said. I'm I'm humbled at the success that we've had this year and the growth that we're having with the audience. I'm blessed. I'm so blessed that you guys continue to come back. Um, if you want more behind the scenes stuff and early releases and things of that nature, um, check us out. Uh, check me out on Burn Your Boats. Uh, it's a fan page on Facebook, um, and that is where I try to do some extra bonus stuff for the people over there and we try to have some conversations that, um, that really dive into uh, like just further exploration of the ideas that we're doing and that'll be also a place when um, I'm getting ready to release some trainings there'll be some discounts that will come to that group first so without any further delay here is Rudy Dominguez That's really what Team Arthur really does. And we were talking about my leadership and where I, the differences. So like every leader, young leader, nobody really teaches you how to be a leader. They just kind of pin some stripes on your chest and say, hey, you're a sergeant now, go for it. Yes, you have the ability to be able to say, hey, this is cool, I can do this, but nobody really like molds your ability to lead. Yep. And you just kind of go for it. So things that I, at the beginning of my career as a leader, 
I learned rather quickly. And this was from one of my leaders. He's like, hey, being a leader is not fair. Bottom line. <laughs> yeah, that's so and true. your leadership is going to be, and I wrote it down, it's like it depends how you interpret it, your leadership through a positive lens. If you always have a negative lens of your leadership, it's always going to be. So you're going to be who you want to be. So like I said, make my mistakes throughout my many years. So from being a team leader, leading a team, four people plus me, leading a squad, 19 people plus me, and then being a team squad, having about 35 guys, and then being a first on three times that I had like, a company of 90, then another company of 102, and then another company of 170, you get to learn a couple of things. You cannot lead everybody the same way. And you have to adapt yourself to be able to meet the needs of that individual company because they're not all the same. So once I started realizing that and I started getting a little older, throughout the years and a little wiser, not entirely. Uh, it's a progression, we're never perfect. No, 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 no absolutely. Progress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I tell you that I realized that if it's important for me to change my leadership style to the company, to that company's needs, then it's more important to change my leadership style to the individual soldier. Mm-hmm. That's when I think all of my focus is started changing a little bit because I started to get my soldiers to know my soldiers more on a personal level. And that was when you were as a first sergeant? Yes. Yeah. That's- I can see like that to me, that's, that's the... That's the big change. Like, I've had a lot of the... As I've progressed and I've seen people get promoted, I've seen a lot of a lot of talk about the transition from staff sergeant to sergeant first class because that, for us, like, for those not in the loop, that's the transition from a junior non-commissioned officer to a senior non-commissioned officer. And so you're, you're now... And it's true, as a sergeant first class, you're given... A, a lot more respect and there's a lot more expectations out of you than out of anything prior to that but that happens with each promotion but there's something different that happens at first sergeant once you once you get the master sergeant and and you get into those and you get in a first sergeant position because then you're an organizational leader because mm-hmm. all before that like okay it's it's a very and it's still a natural progression but you're going from like all right i've got a team okay i'm bumping them now i've got a squad okay mm-hmm. now and now i'm a sergeant first class and now i've got a platoon and i'm i'm very good with all of this because i know what it's like to be in the team on that squad of the platoon and now i know how to manage the squad now i know and so like obviously like i got but but making that transition where you're you're in charge of the multiple platoons but like you're not like you're not in charge of them and it's it's like you're in charge of the organization it's like the the responsibility shift it's a dynamic shift mm-hmm. because you're no longer like yeah you're still doing like beans and bullets like you're running around you know fighting mm-hmm. positions and you make sure that everyone's taken care of like in a field you know in a field situation but in the day-to-day organization like your priorities shift dramatically it and does. so what it's- was that like for you the transitioning when, like you said, being some bullets as a platoon sergeant, you you worry about making sure that the training of that specific 35-man platoon is actually gone adequately. Mm-hmm. But once you become a first sergeant, you start seeing systems. And as long as as a first sergeant, you build your systems in your company, then you can like project more into mentorship. But that requires, I will say that it, as a first sergeant, 
it was one of the best jobs I had. I would do it any day. It was the most rewarding job that you can have. Yeah. But it takes the longest because you can screw it up really, really bad or you can do really, really good. I tell you that I screwed it really, really, really bad. Then I did a little bit better in the second time. And mm -hmm. to the third time, I was like, okay, there is a charm. Let's get this right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was one of those situations just like that, that at the first time I was trying to figure out how to be a first time, how to be that mentor that I was supposed to be because I am not just in charge of the training of my guys. Mm -hmm. I'm in charge to make sure that they are developed to be the next generation of leaders. Yeah. And that is that was the hard focus right there. How do you balance both of those? And I would say towards the end, and I wasn't actually a headquarters, headquarters and company first time, that you have all this different like people who has different jobs communications yeah. uh, supply you have well that's I, I didn't even I, as it's so funny that as a as a person that switched from combat arms to uh, a staff job and then ever since I've been there have been at like the brigade or mm -hmm. higher level that I didn't even take into consideration like when thinking about the transition from leadership from like the platoon sergeant to the first sergeant that now you're going to be responsible for people that are outside of your specific branch. You know, Correct. like you like as a as a intel guy if you're a platoon sergeant, one, you'll be a, a sergeant first class that could be the rank of somebody who is a platoon sergeant and likely never fill that position. Correct. And so but if you do, you'll you'll deal with other people that are in different specific jobs in yourself. But you won't deal with uh, people that are really outside of your outside of like intelligence. Like all of the people I deal with are intelligence. But you make that you put the diamond on and you become a first sergeant, and then you are now overseeing. And like you said, you're responsible for as the senior non commissioned officer at the company level for the professional development. Like you're the one that's overseeing. All, I mean, you if, if you are doing your job, in my opinion, you're overseeing like all the NCOERs that are being written. Like, your Absolutely. hands are on all of them. And, and that's when it becomes difficult because hey, I'm a shoot, move, communicate guy. Yeah. You ask me yeah. to shoot something, okay, I'm good. I, I know how it. to do it. <laughs> you ask me how to be a communications guy, that's when it becomes really funny. Yeah. But this is really when it, it comes into play that you have to know that individual soldier. You have to be able to know where do you want to take them and what is their mission and how do you want to motivate that soldier to mm -hmm. meet the mission. And that's when you start putting those two together. You start looking at their at their evaluations saying, okay, you have accomplished this mission and you have done this and your progression has been this. But you have to develop that personal relationship. As a first arm, as a headquarters company first arm, that is extremely important. So, and it ties off to everything. So we established that nobody gets taught how to be a leader. In the army, nobody tells you. No, hey, it's so however. true. And in all tracks, no matter what job you are, no matter what you're doing, all progressionary. You can't stay in the army if you don't progress. Correct. And all all progression is to a position of leadership. And there is nothing that teaches you how to be a leader. It is one of the most hilarious predicaments that I found myself. It is in. the most frustrating. <laughs> it is because you're the same. You're in charge of all these people. They have mom, dad's wife, kids, and mm -hmm. all that, and you want to ensure they're being taken care of. Yep. But you are like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm drinking from my fire hose, yep. and it is a little too much for me right now. But the, it, that's when you just learn to like a hey, stay positive. Yeah. Positive lens. It might not be fair. But let's do this. You have a yeah. responsibility. So I learned to tap dance and I learned to fake it yeah. really well throughout the year. So when you saw me that day at, at 
Pam's shop, I was really nervous at that. I always get nervous when I talk to people. Yeah. If you guys can tell, I have a Spanglish impediment a little bit too, so I have to be very, very focused on what I say because I don't want to be able to, I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm trying to say. Sure. So I have to be very careful what I say. Another thing that I learned as a being as a leader. So through all of this, all right, once I became a headquarters and headquarters company person, I realized that, hey man, there's a lot more, there is a need, there is a disconnection between the younger, the young adult generation and the older adult and the kids. The kids are taken care of. We know kids are taken care of, but who really in the army mentors that guy that is planning not to get out the army mm-hmm. or, or is planning to get out of the army and they don't really know where to go. So yeah. I started focusing more like, okay, let me set my systems. And I will say any person who owns a business tell you, hey, the first and most important thing is to set your systems, how you're gonna run your business. A company is the same way. Um, once you set your systems and they're running and you're ensuring you, then you transition into mentoring people to ensure that those systems are being ran appropriately. I think that's where a lot of leaders fail a little bit. They concentrate yeah. sometimes running the system, 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 system. They, soldiers and people become numbers. Yeah. And that is bad. Because let's be realistic, me as a leader, I have never been so successful by myself. Right. My success was my guys' success. And if you wanna say, hey, Rudy, you have been really good at your job, I would turn around and say, yeah, because they were really good at their job. But that consists of how well am I gonna motivate you? Yeah. How well I'm gonna take care of you? And what are you willing to do to be able to accomplish this mission? Yep. Any businesses like that, I believe so. Team RWB kind of falls into the same category. Sure. So I try to translate and I try to grab all of these years to just put in all of these mistakes that I made in that energy. And trust me, I've, I've had soldiers that can tell you Rudy is about the worst person in the world. <laughs> because I've got those two. I've got those two. But you, then you have the other half that can say, hey, he was about the best guy that I've ever yep. known. We all have those. And now, honestly, I can say that I can feel bad about it. Probably not because we established nobody taught me what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So through all of this, it's been, it's, been a grat- it's been a journey that has been entirely gratifying in the holistic view of it. Yeah. Because, like I said, I don't, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. Uh, I'm at 18 years right now. I am waiting to see what's going to be the next five years of my life. Sure. And if the Army decides to keep me for the next five years of my life, then, okay, I will go and be another senior leader for somebody else. Yeah. Finish that. Continue to do what I'm doing. But then what? Um, and I tell you that I've been molding my leadership style to be able to bring back to the community because I really yeah. like the community. I like that integration. I like what the community brings to anybody. Team RWB does it for me. And if you ask me what motivates me the most out of all of this is the fact that I get to know different people from different backgrounds. And just if you put them all together, you can find somebody to help somebody else. It's true. Um, and I look at it and that motivates me. It kind of drives me a little bit forward. It, I spend a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, how can I be a better leader for what I have going on in the Army? And what, how can I be a better leader for Team RWB? And try to separate in both of them, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, you kind of have to be the same person you want. You are in one, and the other one. Yeah, because I mean, you are you. You're always going to be who you are. Right. And so your strengths are going to be the same, no matter what organization you're in. And your weaknesses are going to be the same. So absolutely, it's just kind of about chameleoning yourself and transforming to the needs of that organization. Right. But one of the things that you said that really had me. Uh, 
that gave me not pause necessarily, but made me think was just that uh, your one of the things that drives you is your your ability to to point people in a direction to like to help one to help them. I'm like, okay, that's that's natural. That's natural for me as well. Like I can easily relate to that. Like I want to help people. Mm-hmm. When people bring up an issue, I'm like, okay, how can I help? The thing that I have a hard time with is is taking that next step back and being and saying and acknowledging I can't help, but I know this person that can. You know, and it would be so and it's something I'm I've been working on and getting better at like, okay, let me tap into my network. Like and that mm-hmm. and I always like to think that my network is actually smaller than it really is. I'm like, no, I know I know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people with a lot of skills and I know they have an even more expansive network. And so, okay, like, how can I, how can I flex those people that I know? Because it's not necessarily about what I know to be able to help you, but who do I know? And what kind of resources do they have? And so I think, like, that's, it's awesome that that's, like, instinctual for you. That you're like, yo, and and I know, I've seen it with other people, I'm like, yes, that. That is one of my weaknesses that I want to get better at. You know, I want to focus on my strengths and, and leverage those to mine and everybody else's benefit, but then also simultaneously work on those weaknesses. And so I just, I appreciate the fact that that's something that you do is that you identify, like, I know somebody, like, in our group, because we have such a diverse set, like, I can go tap John and John's going to be able to help you, you know, put up the fence in your backyard because I know that he's got a business or whatever the case may be. So I'm reminded of that every day. I have one of my guys that I'm working right now. He is, he takes care of me. Like he looks after me and sometimes he likes to tap me in the shows like, Hey, you know, we're a team, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah and I yeah. just look, I was like, yeah, I get it. What am I doing wrong? And yeah. I, I'm, I, I appreciate the negative feedback. And I always ask my guys, it's like, Hey, what is the negative feedback you need to give me to be mm-hmm. a better leader rather than the positive? And that was actually identified to me a long time ago. So I'm pretty diligent like making sure that I'm using everybody equally because you know yeah. it gives a couple of things to people it's like it gives them a sense of purpose a yeah, sense of belonging huge. a sen- sense of respect and that you are needed yeah there's, there's, is, a, there's a there is a very fundamental part about being a person and it's it's a sense of importance mm-hmm. like if we we disparage people all the time and say like oh that person's the center of their own universe like let's be real we're all the center of our own universe. Like we are the main character <laughs> in the movie of our life. Like who else is it going to be? Not, I, you're not going to be the main character of my life. Now you're going to be a really cool side character that comes in, but I'm the one that's with me forever until I die. And so absolutely. I'm going to be the main character. Yeah, and so the world does revolve around my world does revolve around me because mm. all of the decisions that I make are the things that impact my tomorrow and my 10 years from now. And so it better, it better revolve around me, you know, and then, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, so you can you can disparage people for that, or you can acknowledge it and acknowledge the fact that we're human and and we will act as such, right? And, and so, absolutely. So if you start talking about all of that, it's establishing a role, and yeah. you have to make sure everybody gets established a role. And what is your role within our little social activity that we have going on? And that's what I ensure that in the army and the team on the Ruby are both being actually mm-hmm. establishing their roles. What is your role? And I push that role of that because I want you to know that I need you to do this for us. Yeah. Like this is what I need from you. So that's what I ensure that a hey, it is your world. I need you need your world to like yeah. work with mine. Exactly. And meet well, this and mission. The way in doing that, and I think like one of the things that you guys do, and even what I don't know if she even knew it, but Mary yesterday who was mm-hmm. we had a volunteer event for a trunk or treat and when I showed up like I don't I require very little like because I have enough going on in, in my life where I make myself important. You know what I mean? And so like 
getting that from other people is nice but not necessary and so but and i don't think that she meant to do it i think she just relied upon me as being an adult because there were multiple parking lot stations that where there were teenagers there um high schoolers and she was like hey i just if you could like just watch kind of these two lots and go back and forth and make sure that everything's happening that that needs to be happening and instantly that puts me in a a state of higher importance right i'm overseeing something perfect you know what i mean and it's and it's Mm -hmm. Being able to do that as one, she's a, she, her importance is there. She's like mm. running it, right? And so then, and then as a great leader, she's able to look and see and like and like I said, I don't. She didn't have this thought like I'm going to make sure that he feels important. You know what I mean? But it's like it's just even accidentally, that's good. That's a good thing. And I think it's something that you do, and it's something that you that I mean that when you're talking about that, it's you give you make people. It gives them purpose and it makes them feel important. And those two things together, that's what builds motivation that's the one thing that i think is missing in the army is that like we have our definition of leadership and part of it is to provide motivation and i remember the very first time reading that definition when you're trying to memorize it for Mm -hmm. the board and everything and i was like how how do you do that like no and no one can answer like all i could do from my perspective was watch leaders that i respected and like like what are you doing and then i'd watch leaders that i couldn't stand and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, let's not do those things that I can't stand. Let's do the things that I admire. And that was the best that I could do. So if I tell you that the definition of leadership in the Army is providing guidance and purpose and direction to be able to accomplish a mission, which we yes. all know that it is. That's what it is. <laughs> However, it's missing a key element that most guys nowadays, let's talk about the generation nowadays. They, they are their generation of why. Why, yes. they, why do they ask why? Because they don't trust. So if you start actually grabbing the trust part and you put it into the whole leadership part mm-hmm. and you develop that trust because basically what Mary did for you, she entrusted you to yep. take care of that as an adult. Yep. If we start treating people a little bit more that way, then things will be a little bit smoother because we give them that sense of ownership, that yeah. role. Hey, this is my role. I own it. You're owning it now. You're going to do your best. That's something that we're missing that link a little bit. Yeah, of how do we do that? There are so many parts of that that matter that are so significant, like ownership and pride. Mm-hmm. Like that is like, that's like the baseline. Like when I have something, and it's mine, and and it is viewed from the outside as like, hey, that's Matt's thing, and like he runs that. There's there is a sense of pride that comes with that, and I want to make sure that it doesn't look like shit. Right. Right. And and if you're not a person that feels that way, then I don't want you in a part of my organization. Like you're not gonna fit in. Right. right? Like I need that baseline understanding. And so I'm I'm completely with you that trust like and it's so so then it's like how do you develop trust and part of it like part of the problem i think with any organization once it gets to a certain level and i mean like number of people involved you start to break down because it gets too big you get too bureaucratic and there's so much like there's one mistake echelons away from you and then you you your operations are now inhibited or altered because of that because now you have to do this risk management in order to accomplish this task like okay but i still need i still need to i need my soldiers to know that i trust them and more almost more importantly i need them to trust me and so i have to do things that that develop that and one of the things that i appreciated and you can tell me how you how you develop the relationship of trust uh, with 
one of the hardest relationships for me when I first came into the army was with like platoon leaders. So these are these are fresh officers that just entered the military and they're straight from college and they went through like their basic initial uh, military training and everything and they show up and they're very green. So they'll be very young and very inexperienced but they're relatively high ranking. They're higher ranking than all the enlisted people and they're supposed to be running the platoon. And you would see different mentalities come in. Some people would come in very entitled. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't, they would never be in uh, basically like where all of our vehicles are kept, where we're doing maintenance and we're doing drills and we're like emptying out big containers, <laughs> taking everything out, Bumper reorganizing and putting it back in, yeah. right? Lining up all the trucks, but they were never there. And other ones would be, and they'd mm-hmm. be in there with their top off, stripping sweat right next to us. And that was, to me, that was like, oh, that's a super, like, I really like this guy. I really took the time to think, and I was like, why do I like him? More than I liked the last guy. I'm like, oh, well, the last guy was never around. I was like, well, why does that matter? I was like, oh, well, that guy knows the suck. And so, like, when he when we get told what to do and he's not there next time, I know that he's – it's not an arbitrary decision on his part to say, yeah, go ahead and just dump out all those conixes and lay all this stuff out and then put it all back in there. Like, he knows that it's not as simple as, like, this is going to be an all-day event, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to lose our ability to do this, that, or the other. But I know that he knows that because he was here and he knows how much it sucks. And so I trust him in his decision that we have to do this. Yeah. And so for you, how did you, especially as you progressed, like it's one thing to develop trust when it's you and your team mm-hmm. and then versus your organizational leadership time. Like what was the difference there and how did you manage those? A huge difference is uh, when you are a smaller unit leader, uh, knowing your job, and being able to just taking care of the basic necessities of the soldier becomes key. That's how you develop trust. It's very simple. As long as you are know your soldier and know how to take care of him individually, and you can show the proficiency to lead him, and that you can do the job, that's the basic needs that you require as a small unit. As a bigger unit leader, organizational leader, it requires, remember what we're talking about, being a leader is not fair. Yeah. This is when it comes down, and this is when the Army being a multi-echelon organization that everybody's mission doesn't kind of line up. Everybody has their own thing going on, and they're all pushing it down to you, and you kind of have to learn to buff out some of the things and take yeah. some of that burden on yourself so the guys don't lose the trust on the mission. And that's really why you have to remember that it's not, you don't want the trust to be developing you, you want the trust to be developing the ultimate mission. Like what is what is it that you're going after? If you lose lose that focus, then this is all over. Cause then I can be taken out of the picture completely and this will fall apart. Yeah. We don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. How do you maintain that there? That's when you start learning how to buff it out. It's like, okay, this information may pertain to them, but this is just going to destroy the morale of my unit. So I'm going to grab it, and I'm going to say, I'm going to talk to my commander say, hey, this is not the way to do this. We can get after this doing it another way. And that's when you start talking to the leaders, and you're willing to take that bullet a little bit, that you might get that earful Mm -hmm. later on for something. You will still accomplish the mission, but your guys maintain that motivation which develops the trust because they feel that they're being taken care of they feel that they're being backed up the next one if something happens along the way at any level and somebody makes a mistake it goes back to nobody teaches you how to be a leader nobody teaches you how do you do your job properly you just kind of wing it and go with and go with it and you yeah. learn from other leaders you learn from regulations that you have to yeah. read and you make a mistake and you kind of shake your head at each other it's like okay I understand what went wrong yeah. Okay, this is what went wrong. Okay, I got it. Let's fix it. How are we going to fix it? 
move on. Once you say move on, once you identify how to fix it, move on means move on. Yeah. You cannot just linger and go back Old to what happened with yeah. this. Remember that. Remember this. No, because he is learning just as much as you yeah. are. If any of us can say they have never made a mistake coming in throughout their careers or building a business or building a team or doing yeah. whatever, you're completely lying to yourself. Yeah. You're a liar. You're a liar. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it is, that's how you develop the trust with the organization. Once you're willing to back up, hey, we, this is our mission. In between this mission and now, there's going to be several mistakes, right? Yeah. How are we going to avoid those mistakes, that, that risk mitigation that we talked about? As yep. long as somebody doesn't die or somebody loses an arm, we're good. That And that's something that I think in the military has been lost and probably in a fair amount of organizations has been lost too. Is like, what, what risk is acceptable? And it seems to be too low. Like the the amount I get the like the true risk of failure, like doing something or allowing something to happen that you know is going to fail or is likely going to fail, so that people can learn. Because you can be so far in the weeds of the people that you are supervising mm-hmm. that you're there and you fix all the mistakes before they're made. But if they're one, what is that stopping you from doing? Right. Like, stopping you from doing your job. Like, and especially when I think about it from, like, a first sergeant's position. Like, your job is to see, be the senior enlisted advisor to that commander. Right? Like, he needs your ear. He needs your perspective. These are still, this is still a relatively junior, most likely junior captain that needs the perspective of somebody that has gone to the range 117 times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I know, like, this is what we need. Right? And I, can, and I know I can trust these guys. They're going to go get it set up. Um, and so if you're busy going through the range box because you don't trust the guy below you and you're there to make sure that that doesn't get screwed up, then like what, what's really going to happen, right? Like if that's screwed up and they didn't, they didn't bring everything they Mm -hmm. needed in their range box with them to go qualify on their weapons, like the timeline's going to get pushed. Right. And then people are going to be disgruntled, right? Like that's not something that, oh shit. Like, we lost a guy. You know what I mean? Or, or like, some dramatic fallout from that is going to impact the unit negatively. Like, mm-hmm. no. Like, let it fail. Yeah. Let it fail. And then identify it. Don't, don't let it fail. Like, it's cool, man. Failures happen. Like, hey, you fucked up. Do you know why you fucked up? And then if they're able to back brief you, like, cool. And then you can touch on and make sure you highlight all mm-hmm. those things. But, like, allowing that person to fail and then living through that failure, well, I've le- I learn way more when I mess something up than I do when I do Absolutely. it right. <laughs> when I do it right, all of the little shortcuts I took that, like, I got away with are, are re- they're not, like, thought about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I did this and I did it well. Awesome. But, like... When I fail, I'm analyzing like every single part of it. Like, what did I do here? Okay, when we got there, well, like I talked to that guy. Shouldn't have talked to that guy. I had to talk to the other guy, you know? So I tell you that people who have this sensation that they have never really failed at anything throughout their military career is either because they are really good micromanagers or because their career was micromanaged to an extent yes. that nothing went wrong. So I tell you, but what is that? So if you never have the feeling of failure and you never learn how to fail and then actually pull yourself out of it and continue moving forward, what happens when you get out of the army? 
life is a big like sets of failures and you just kind of have to like get up brush yourself up like oh that suck <laughs> let's go so yeah. what happens so that like, you get out and you're like oh my gosh i don't know i don't know how to fail and the first time something goes wrong stress comes up oh my gosh the world ends because you don't know how to deal with it you don't have those systems micromanaging you telling you what is the next move telling you what's going to happen next oh don't worry about it you're screwed up we're going to un unscrew whatever you did and then we're going to move forward yeah. that's that doesn't happen that doesn't happen most likely either you're going to lose a job you're going to miss a car payment or something's going to happen yeah. they're going to add all of those stressors but nobody teaches you in the army how to do that you just kind of wing it and when you spend, let's say those kids, they join the army right after high school yeah. and they spend most of their adult life in the army and they get after 15 years and decided like, hey, this is enough. I had enough for you guys. This system doesn't work and they get out. Now what? What do you do? There's nothing because you don't know how to actually live in a community who doesn't even think of the way you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the, a lot of the, so if you're paying attention and if you you are mentally agile you can you can take the things that you've learned from the military and translate them to the outside absolutely it's very difficult to do if you don't if your only experience in a capitalist society and like in the workplace has been like working at like a pizza hut you know when you were in high school and then mm -hmm. you got out of high school and you joined the military, right? And mm -hmm. then because then the incentive structures are entirely different. Like, yeah, it's performance-based, but we think of performance as like, as doing a good job. I mean, we can go and like dive in like, what does it mean to do a good job? Right. Okay, well like, let's look at the task. If we're trying to go to the field, we wanna make as few mistakes as possible. We wanna make sure that our guys are communicating and they're they're reacting they're they're doing the drills correctly and that they're able to think on their feet and we're able to throw variables at them and they're able to to react coordinate respond um come back together treat casualties you know what i mean all the different aspects all the all the battle drills that we want them to be proficient at they get proficient at correct and then once they're proficient at it then we just have to maintain that right and then we can build on those and we have tables for qualifications and things like that for different systems but that's it. Like you get good at your system and you're good. And then you learn to manage people who are good at the system. Then you learn how to manage the people that are managing the people that are good at the system. But the incentives are never like, we need to sell this product and this product is for this widget that exists right. in this other country. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. like, okay, now you have to market that or you have to be the person that's trying to sell somebody this on the phone. Like, like just the... The, and the the structure's different. Like, the, we're trying to do something else. And so that's why there's a lot of feeders into, like, government jobs when you get out. Correct. But trying to make, but, like, there are so many people that essentially are, they're the big deal while they're in the military. They're the trigger pullers. They're, like, the way that I view it is like a, like a football, like a sports game. Mm -hmm. They're, like, you get your guys that are on the field playing. And you got your support guys on the side. You got like your defensive coaches. You got your offensive right. coaches. And that's like for Intel, we're like the defensive coach. We're like we're trying to tell you what the other offense is going to do. And this is like your best bet to try to counteract that. Um, but for the guys that are on the field, the guys that are actually out there playing the game, it's the hardest for them. The people that are that are going to be the most impacted by the fact that they're in the military. Right. The ones that are most exposed 
to the most traumatic experiences and the skills translate the least effectively to anything on the outside are the people that are on the field. And you're completely right. Oh my gosh, you, you said it that like, let's talk about an infantryman. I am yeah. an infantryman. Yeah. What am I outside of the military? I am a glorified cop. Yeah. I'm a rena cop. Yeah. I, it translates to very, very little. And to you, would have, you would have a hard time competing with somebody who is a military cop. You know what I mean? Like if both you of would. you are applying, like there's, a, there's already a position in the army that's going to beat you out for that position. So like, it, <laughs> it, becomes, it becomes almost absurd that you're trying to like translate all of this and nobody really teaches you how to behave and nobody teaches you how to that, that dynamic of, hey, you're a ball player, but now you're in the support side. You, like, you never really transition that much uh, until you probably become a, like, a division level sergeant major that you're actually looking yeah. at a really, really big, holistic, 19,000 people yeah. view of mm -hmm. what's going on. Then you probably start seeing some of those effects. But when you're at the company battalion level, you you get some of that, but that is not like, oh my gosh, it's there. Yeah. So things that we're talked about, and we're like, and, and um, we talk about, we we lose a, a sense of like establishing a role, like we do. You get out, you start having those issues, and then you start, uh, failing to be able to join a community because you know how to do it. First yeah. of all, you don't know how to market yourself in a business. You don't yeah. know how to market yourself to find a job. Uh, then you don't the really know who you, you are. The things that you pride yourself on and the things that you've been lauded for right. and praised for are not the things that are, they're not seen the same way. Like people will thank you for your service, but there's a there's a translation of it. There's Absolutely. like, I don't really know the significance of that. And I, and like, it's our responsibility as individuals to be able to tell them that. Right. But who tells us how to like it's like we speak Chinese and they speak French, but like there's nobody there teaching like this is how you translate. This is how you learn to to translate from Chinese to French. Right. Like and so we're just there, we're like, uh and at the same time all of that is happening, let's say you find a job and you were a really good infantryman. You and you were doing everything right for the military and you get out and in your job in real life is telling you you suck at your job mix them up together it becomes difficult like yeah. and that's what i started identifying and when i was at first on an hsc first run i kept in touch with a lot of the guys that were getting out and i was actually mentoring and i was actually trying to like hey this is what you need to do to be successful this is your mentality switch you need to have you need to start talking to these people these people these people they will allow you to start doing that yeah because that's it starts preparing you mentally to a drastic shift that is gonna change your life upside down. Not in the negative way. You yeah. can make it negative if yeah, you want you to, but it could be positive and you can start preparing yourself. Like, and, and now I was a very big guy, like, hey, take your time to realize what you wanna do. Come back, let's talk about what are your options outside of the military. Let's see where you're going from here. And I'll tell you, I'll be the honest broker and I'll tell you, hey, that might be your option a, but it's really your option like D or C because of this. Yeah. I know you want to go back and go to college, but you are 27 years old. I get it. Yeah. Must like you can you can do it, but like what are you gonna do? Like you've chances are if you're 27, you've already and and you're in the military. Mm. Good luck finding the single guy without a family who's 27 that has been in since he was 18. Absolutely. You know, without a wife and family Absolutely. and kids. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Like, he's going to have it. And so, like, so what are you going to do to support it? Like, oh, the GI Bill. Like, oh, okay, well, like, let's sit down and actually talk about it. You know, and, and but that's your perspective and the fact that that's the way they view it. This is one of the reasons I wanted you on the show was because your perspective is so different from so many people in the military. Like, there's there is this institutionalized th 
thought process that so many people in the military have because of the fear of what exists on the outside. It's, I've been trying to think, I've been like racking my brain to think about how can I relate this to people? How can I relay this information to people in a way that makes sense? I'm like, what analogy can I make? And the mm. only one that I can think of to somebody that doesn't have any, any family or friend that's ever been in the military and isn't, doesn't have the familiarity is that I want you to think of people that are in the military like you think, and, and when I'm talking about this, I'm talking specifically about the transition from the military back to the civilian sector. Mm -hmm. As I view, view them in a similar way as you do somebody that's in prison. Because Absolutely. there is a full-on indoctrination method Perfect that example. Like you get, and like if you've ever seen, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Shawshank Redemption, one of the classic fucking prison movies of all time. Mm. Uh, but they talk about, it and they show there was a guy, an old guy in the movie who was in prison for what 30, 40 years, something like that. He ends up getting released. They're like, yeah, no, you're good. Like it's time for you to go. And he's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and they're like, you're free. Go be free. And he go, he actually goes and commits suicide, like because he couldn't. He didn't understand life on the outside. So if we start talking about that, and we talk about veterans that commit suicide every twenty-two, like twenty-two seconds, 20, what, yeah. what it is, it is, it is a fact. But why? Like everybody's missing the point that, like the army right now has a really good system to allow soldiers to find jobs after the military. They do. They've they got, do. They've invested a lot of time and they have the best one out of all the services, but what they're missing, and we still cannot beat the fact that that mentality change is still there. Yeah. Nobody really teaches them how to do it. Nobody teaches anybody how to do any of this mentality change, mm -hmm. so it becomes very difficult. You lose all of your structure at once. Yeah. So when you say yeah. the prison guy, the prison guy, he knows when he's waking up, he yep. knows when he's going out, he knows when he's eating, he knows when he's taking a shower. It is there for him. He doesn't have to think about it. That's yeah. when we deploy, life becomes really easy. You get up, you eat, you go on patrol. Three days later, you come back, you sleep, you eat, you go out on patrol. That's all you do for rinse, six, nine, 12 months, 15 months, whatever you're doing. So that becomes really easy. It's a simple life. But once they take it away from you, what is there left? Nothing. So if you start adding everything else that we have been talking about, you have no, you no longer have a role. Yeah. You don't know how to adapt to the community. You no longer have somebody who is macromanaging and giving you structure. You find yourself alone and unafraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, and I was, and I was at church today, and and now they were talking about foster kids, and I was like, you know, something that is a perfect analogy for a soldier who has never, like, oh, actually been out in the community, because they're just like literally, you find yourself not knowing how to belong to a community or how to belong yeah. to a family you most you're of disconnected time, yeah you're, you're real your biological family would you can consider i think this is what you're saying would be like the army right right and so like you're you're disconnected like you're done yeah and for reasons that could and most likely are potentially out of your control um because your time is just up right and so you mm -hmm. go and then you're then you're out in the world and you're like okay i have to establish these new relationships but i don't, don't know, know how. how i don't know how to do that and so I think what you, the actions that you've actually taken are a great model for people because you're not, you didn't wait until you got out to kind of start a mental transition for yourself. When did you get associated with the RWB? Like when did that first happen for you? So I started with Team RWB back in like 
2010, 2011. Okay. Uh, it's been a long time. I started in Fort awesome. Hood. Uh, it, it was a brand new thing. Like Mike started it back in 2010. It was a really big boom. All of a sudden, it was hard to be everywhere. I saw I remember seeing it. I was like, what is this? <laughs> so I got affiliated with them. I started doing things with them in Fort Hood. I wasn't in Fort Hood for very, very long. Okay. The Army decided to send me to New Jersey. Yeah. New Jersey, like that chapter was like amazing like there was people there was more civilian people that i was really uncomfortable being around and all of my friends who were on the military side who were belong to that organization they have been in ace in acrc for a long time they were like dragging me to go onto a family just like committing myself to doing it yeah. and all of a sudden i was forced like forced and this isn't like 2012 2013 forced to talk to people like yeah. <laughs> that was and it's been, amazing of like the people that I've talked to when big changes like this have happened, like a lot of people would consider, and I think that in my head, this is my thought, was that people just made the choice. They were like, you know what? This is beneficial for me and I'm going to do it. It is far less common that that is the case than it is the case of exactly what you just said, where it's like, I am, I was forced. I wasn't even compelled. I was forced like out of the position where I was comfortable into a position where I wasn't comfortable. Correct. But th this is one thing that I've been pondering. I literally have like a list of notes mm -hmm. in my phone that, and one of them is like, thank, the, the title is Things to Ponder. <laughs> <laughs> and That's one awesome. of it is happiness versus satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I think that satisfaction is more important than happiness because and you can't oh, be man. satisfied good. without struggle. Man, that's, and, that's so good. Yeah, I'm, and it's so so it's, so it's it's something that I, I think there's something there. There's there's depth there, and I'm I'm like still trying to like peel away at it. But because like I I want to look for growth. Like why do I want to look for growth? Like and how does growth happen? Well, I I'm alive. I have legs. I'm not mm -hmm. a plant. I can move. I need to move. I need to be. I have a voice. I can speak. I need to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I, and how do I how do I learn? I engage with the world around me. I engage right. with nature. I engage with other humans. I read. Mm -hmm. You know. And then I take the lessons and I and I develop them in myself in a way that I think will make me a better person for mm -hmm. the world around me and for myself. And so, but in order to do that, I have to do. I have to put myself in situations like the the most significant leaps in growth for me happen through after I engage in something. It doesn't matter what it is, but something that is super uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uh, man, you, there, there's like, I started doing triathlons in 2008, like, and I started and it was, it was a satisfying thing. And I yeah, can say that it was it satisfying, uh, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Okay. okay. Until I hit, a chapter in New Jersey, like that New Jersey, Got because it. it forced me to be able to socialize. And the reason I'm saying yeah. that, triathletes are very sociable. They're very happy people. They are extremely competitive. There is a difference yeah. when we are hanging out, we're training together, but when it comes to race time, it's a gay time. That yeah, they're I got like you. that. I, got you. I was missing that balance between okay. them because for me everything was a a a a, and oh, that was not fun in the yeah. other part of like. So a, like in the training, you're more like you're, it's competitive. Yes. Like you're in the competitive Correct. mindset, and not in the jovial like hey buddy buddy like so let's go jog together. Absolutely. Gotcha. So when I got to Jersey and they forced me to socialize, I was able to start actually socializing and enjoying what I was doing, and it became something. It became an outlet. It became something that. I was yeah. looking forward to be able to yes. do and I was able to if I was feeling a little angry I was feeling a little 
a stress or whatever, I was I had an outlet. I had a yeah. a social a, a healthy Network. a healthy yeah. outlet. And I will tell you what, when I was I remember my first probably four years of service, I remember meeting people that would like come to the unit and actually I ended up being a best man for this guy Robert, mm-hmm. um, a really good friend of mine. And I remember he had such I don't know if it's that he had such an extensive life outside of the military, but he was significant. He's like 10 years older than me, and we were, I was, we were both like junior enlisted, like mm-hmm. specialists in PFCs. And, uh, but he had so much going on in his personal life that like, I almost had like this sense of like resentment or like, hmm. like this angst towards him. And it wasn't until way later when I was like, it was just, it was really envy. It was like, I'm like, why aren't you so enthralled in the military like I am? Where like everything you do revolves around that. Like all of my home life revolved around it. Like it's all like, okay, everything is geared for me to be at work the next day or for me to go to the training or me to do this. And like, how do you have all these things going on? How can you do that? And I can't. Now I can't even imagine, like I want I want to make sure, and I think that's part of the problem. It goes back to like the the kind of the source of the issue for people in the military in that transition, is that the army endorses that they yes. want people to feel exactly like I felt. They want to isolate you from the world on the outside. And you have to think of it in a holistic way. The army like throws so much money at you to oh, be yeah. proficient. Like there is so much money invested from from the moment you graduate from basic training. That is like five hundred thousand dollars just invested automatically on you. Plus, like we're talking big sums of money on every single individual person. The army talks about the army being a profession, which is an indoctrination program. Which yeah. we have to everything you do. Now you become an infantryman. You become whatever you end up becoming, which is the great all jobs that you can do for the army Mm -hmm. but you have to be so good at it that the army doesn't want you to lose focus on what is important for the army the army and that makes sense from the business aspect of it yes great it's awesome however it is not a healthy one once you get out exactly so and it's not you're not you're given enough support to potentially like in the best case scenario where like you've, you've given 20 years and you're retiring, you're given enough support where nobody feels bad. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, but it's like it's like just right. that amount. Right. You can't live off of it. It's you're gonna get less than half of what you made when you're in because you're gonna get half of your base pay, which doesn't include the allowance that they were giving you for housing or the allowance they were giving you for sustenance or any of the special duty pay. Now you get VA and all that stuff too, but. You're, you're not going to be able to survive and, like, retire. You're not retired when you're out. Like, you're retired from the military, mm-hmm. and I relate military years to, like, dog years. You know, like, it's – but it's, like, four to one, not seven to one. So, like, every year in the military is, like, four years of civilian. Right. Because they just – they will ride you till the wheels fall off. And, and that's kind of – and I – that's – that's the military. Like, they shouldn't not do that, right? Like, that is the job. Like – so it is it is a young man's game like they, you're able-bodied it's not about making people feel good it's about winning wars right like it's about being able to compete with people on the battlefield so it, it is but i tell you now that 
I've gone through a lot of changes in my mentality, mm-hmm. and in my mentality, the army is doing it wrong. And, and they, I came to the conclusion the army is not doing it wrong. The army provides you the opportunity for you to be able to balance your life. And they talk about it, and they're very specific. It's like, hey, you have to grow your spiritual health as much as everything else, yeah. and you have to be able to grow yourself as a person to be able to do that. That's why they keep pushing a civilian education so much, because yeah. they want you to grow, because they know equal growth, it makes you a better profession. It's a better profession for you. Yeah. But at the same time, guys don't know how to do it because nobody teaches you how to do it. Yeah. And it goes well, back and to... A, and it's a relatively new transition. Like, it's the focus on is new. So I, I relate this to sexual harassment in the mm-hmm. military. Uh, you've been in for almost 10 years longer than I have been. And so when... Was, was there a time in your career that was before sexual harassment was training that existed like were you in the army before they like posh i think was the first one. Oh my gosh yes i've oh were you in before as, that no I, I okay so that it. existed when you first yes came i've it's always been a thing for me we always heard about it however for the first like 10 years of my career it was a male-centric unit I yeah. never really served yeah, yeah, with yeah. anything outside. So re- it was never really an issue for us. Because it's all male. Right. Correct. Yep. So we never even saw it. I didn't really start thinking about it until I started going into organizations like, oh, yeah. there's a female. Oh, I'm not used to this. Okay, got yeah. it. You get used to it. There's nothing different, but it's just it's when you start seeing a little bit more of that training gotcha. coming in because it is it is present. Not saying that the Army shouldn't, should have pushed a little more before. They did. But yeah. it wasn't something well, we saw. The, the the reason I bring it up, and the only reason I bring it up, is because I, I what we're talking about, I feel like is what is required is a cultural change in the military, and I really think that as much as people hate a lot of the administrative training that we do, one I can tell the focus of the when when the military is serious about training, they require in person training. That's when that's when they know I know that they actually care is when they require in-person training. Like, okay, so you actually you actually care about this to the point where you're gonna require us to meet up in person. So I see your I see your priorities there and that's cool. I think it's an important thing for us to be focused on. And it took a long time, but I really do think that there is a cultural shift that has occurred in the military where, like I'm not saying that sexual harassment doesn't exist in the military. Correct. I'm saying that there is a, a, a perspective shift on it where people are more empowered than they've ever been Correct. to to speak not speak truth to power but to to leaders are more nervous now to to make bad decisions right. like that and they still do and some people take advantage and that's 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 the nature of power you know and that's that's not a military thing in my opinion that's a, that's a that's a human thing when you are given power and some people just mishandle that you know, and they don't know, like, they're just bad. They're bad at doing that. Um, but I really, I do think that there's been a cultural shift when it comes to sexual harassment. I think that there needs there needs to be, and with the continued effort that the military is applying to it, like you said, when you, when let's talk about focusing on your spiritual health. Let's talk about focusing on your dietary health. Mm-hmm. And, and I would love to see a focus on, um, like, social welfare in general, just when it comes to, like, what does your life look like outside? Like, and I don't want the army to like dive into your personal life, but to promote things like thing, even things like boss, I think is a really good idea. Better opportunities for single soldiers. Basically, it's a program where if you're single and you're like, generally, it's for people that are junior in the military because 
most of the people end up getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's true. So it ends up being a relatively junior uh, soldier thing. But it just creates opportunities for people to go out and to mingle outside of the military and to go do something fun. But things like that. But I hope that they find a way to integrate that so it's not like, let's do this army thing together with army people or military people on the outside. Like, let's get a group of people together from this unit and go hang out outside of the unit. Yes. Culture of change, it's, it needs to happen. When I talk about a culture of change, it has to be seen at the level that has the most impact on those young soldiers. Yeah. And if you ask me what it drives me, I do everything that I do because a they see what I'm doing. Yeah. They see that it's a healthy thing. Oh, it's so I'm true. getting out there doing it. One of the main reasons I stopped drinking like nine, ten years ago. The stigma of every single military member drinking, and that is the thing. Yep. If I go to Classics, Classics is where we all have like alcohol for us yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And you go and start buying stuff, and they see me carrying a case or a 12 pack of beer, yep. that becomes the normalcy. That if first sergeant is doing it, or my platoon sergeant is doing it, my squad leader is doing it, then it must be right. There, when is, it's not, there is power in modeled behavior. And so when you're, and especially when you, like, it could be people that have never met you before. Ever mm-hmm. and you you walk into the to any store and you buy anything having the rank on your chest that you have and you're gonna have a specialist that looks that is not even thinking about it, not like hey that first sergeant's buying uh, a case of beer like and he's not like sitting there consciously thinking about it it's it's almost like subliminal messaging it is like ah oh, this is just this is the culture this is, is what our culture it is. It is a structure it's an mm-hmm. army structure led by a culture and yeah. it is it yeah it, it, it is and you're completely right on that one so that everything that you do at those levels when you like you have that impact on the younger soldier you have to be very careful it's like when you have kids you have those young kids you want them to be able to grow up and see how to treat your wife and, and like their spouses yeah. and the learn you wanna you gotta teach them how yeah, to you can't you can't hit your wife and be like don't hit women. Absolutely. <laughs> it makes no sense. Like, you have to, it you're modeling the, the behavior. Way. And it's, I think that there's power. I heard somebody talking about it with uh, alcohol in the house. Mm-hmm. He was like, he didn't, he doesn't drink now, whoever this guy was. I don't even remember. I just remember the conversation. He was like, I don't, he's like, I don't drink a lot. It's like, I do time to time. Usually it's like for events. He's like, but I don't really drink. And... I was like, why? You know, like, is there, like, a reason? Did you, like, see abuse of it in your life growing up? Or, like, was there... He's like, no, it was never in our house. And, like, as you, did, was it talked about? Like, did your parents are like, yeah, we don't drink? And they're like, no, like, it just wasn't... It just wasn't a part of it. So, mm-hmm. like, so I don't... I don't connotate it with things. I'm not like, oh, the game's on. It's time to drink. Oh, this is happening. Like, people are over. We're drinking. You know what I mean? Like, it just... It was never embedded as a social part of life as a normal home part of life like i just so i never thought about using it that way and so i don't and that's that's the power of modeled behavior it's i could tell my kids all day not to smoke but if they see me going leaving to go take smoke smoke cigarettes outside they're like dad smokes and you know that's kind of cool because dad's kind of cool you know (laughs) like absolutely so the other hand is you can only take this when you're doing that model behavior, you can only affect 10% of the population. You have to be able to realize that you're not going to be able to reach everybody. No, it's true. Everybody's going to take their own. Everybody has ability to make their own decisions. That's mm-hmm. just the, the, the nature of the beast. Uh, so th- th- 
it, it is so simple to fall into all of that. But if you start looking, if you start volunteering, and if they see you volunteering, they'll start coming with you. Simple stuff. They tell you one another thing. You don't want to be a Christian, don't marry a Christian girl. <laughs> it's a fact. You don't want to be an athlete, don't hang out with athlete people. You don't want to smoke, don't hang out with smokers. That is just yep. a fact. We talked about this already. Yep. And it goes the same way. So for me, being this involved, it allows me to do a couple of things. It allows me to, for my kids to be able to see the volunteer, and it's okay. It allows to be able to see that a, having a healthy social life is okay as well. All right? Being fit, it's okay. All right. Same and being thing. involved in your community, it you know, like like having the social life outside of work that is not connected to work, and having that be involved in the, like there are so many things that this one group provides through the modeled behavior, and then like for you specifically, like your leadership in it, and so like it's a normal thing for your kids to see their dad in positions of leadership, running things, mm-hmm. and like that it's possible for them to do it and it's not like and they get to see kind of how it's done and like behind the workings and so for them growing up like all of these natural things that are just being fed the stimulus that they're receiving year day after day and month after month and year after year for their lives just being around you like that translates like when i think back to my life like my dad built a ton of stuff around the house and that translates like i understand how to use tools i understand how to work on simple things you know what i mean because that's what I was exposed to. And so what are we exposing our kids to? And then to the point, like, what are we exposing our subordinates to in whatever industry that you're what in? What tools you provide? And you said it yeah. perfectly. What tools can you provide to your subordinates for them to be able to be successful at all times? Yep. Who to call? Who to contact? What is it there is available for them? And that is really what you want to extend to them. And how you manage. Remember, we're talking about those systems. And once you're in place, yes. those systems. Something that I learned in early times, you set up a system, and once you set up a system, let somebody who's supposed to be in charge of running it, running it. Yes. My job was to mentor. I never managed people, never. I told them, hey, you gotta be in this detail. However, I wanna ensure that you were understood how to do it, and I will mentor you enough so you can understand how to accomplish that mission. Yep. That was my goal. But I had to provide you tools in between. It's the same thing with life and being mm-hmm. in community. You have to be able to provide it. That's what I'm very adamant on posting stuff and posting positive stuff. And like, this is what's going on this week. This is what's going on. Because with the willing that somebody's going to say, okay, I have a means to be able to take somebody out of their little crud that they have going on yeah. and take them to do something positive and hopefully just it continues paying off over and over and over yeah. and then we just keep getting new people to bring more positivity into the team that yeah. is that is the goal and that is really what i wanted to accomplish with the army once i finished being a first round and see what kind of impact can i have with a young adult population and i told all of my guys and like that young adult population do you think this our major who is in charge of the army right now do you think all those senior leaders who are in the army to include myself we are the future of the army because we are we're not, not we're on we're on the last legs that 20 year old that 22 year old you're the future of the army mm-hmm. so i am investing my time i'm investing my time to be able to ensure just like i invest with my kids that whenever i see the army 20 years from now there's still the army that i'm proud of today however if nobody invests that time to be able to make sure that happens how do you make a change we talk about change in life changing the country changing the mm-hmm. army but you have to do something about it so that it takes me to my first point. So a long time ago, I started running. What team RWB really means for Rudy? Oh my gosh! And it took me a long time. So yeah. I started breaking it down, and I, I started. Okay, let's start with team. The T. Take action. 
How do you take action? Amen. Talk to people. Most uncomfortable thing for me in the world. Yeah. Now, Which is hilarious. It now. is not. <laughs> it is not. Take action. Talk to people. People may not know that there is this great organization that can help them out. That is the first one. The second one was, how do you empower these people to keep coming back to feel like they can be part of this team, that they can be do, doing all of this? Hey, man. Easy. Give them the role. Let them know. They're like, hey, I need you. I need whatever you have going on, whatever you need to do. I will figure out what is it that you're good at. I need it here. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's like writing down numbers, whatever it is. That is empowerment. The next one is like, how can I assist you to be better? Like, what is it yeah. that you need? Who do I know that I can assist you to be yeah. better? Make that connection with the hope that you're going to do for something else. The last one and the most important one for just the team part, a meaningful relationship with that community. Something that you can count on all the time or that you can count on somebody. And I started that and that, honestly that took me like, I don't know how many years, like like to actually truly believe that that is what I believe. And yeah. as I started wrote it down, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what team means for me. Like this is it. And I translated it, not as a first one, I translated it like, this is what I want. This is what I wanna do. It took me like three times for me to get it right. I promise you, my first company didn't go so well. Yeah. The second company, they liked me. I took care of them. The third company, they liked me for who I was, a fair mm-hmm. guy. And I tried to employ most of those. And I was just like, okay, this is the next step. And then... Well, the, the one thing that I just will say about your process, about the fact that you... One, that you asked the question that you asked in order to get those answers, like... It takes a certain type of person to, on their own, have the mentality that's like, I'm going to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I, like, the introspection. I think that's one of the most important things that we can have. Like, what matters? What is important about me? What's important about my life? What am I doing now that, that I don't, that does not feed into the future me? Like, who do I want to be? How do I be that person? and what matters to me and why. And then to actually take the time and invest the energy into coming up with clear and decisive answers to that question. Like, though you say it took you years, some people never even asked the question, you know? And so like, the fact that it took you years to answer it, like that's, I love it. That's so inspirational to me. And that's something that I, I just like, it, and all it is, it's thinking. And it's people are like, oh yeah, I think all the time, like, are you though? And I don't mean this in a demeaning way at all. I just like, I think that a lot of times we're carried, our brains are constantly working, we're constantly thinking, but really it's more like we're constantly intaking stimulus, processing it, and then going through our day, right? And mm-hmm. like, how much time are we actually spent spending it in reflection and introspection and thinking about our lives and 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 transforming that into action into like okay now that i have these thoughts what do i do with them not just a responsive like relationship with the world where i'm just reacting to the things around me but i'm going to start taking action so that the world starts reacting to me instead of me to the world correct so hey and i and i tell you that i don't think i started 
like this little book that you see that I have right here. This is my notes that I have. Like I'm a church going person and I'm just not one of the guys who sits there and I can listen to a person speak for a long, long time without me having to write down something. And I'm not a Bible verse writing person. I am more of like, hey, you just told me a piece of information. I got to write my thoughts behind that piece of information again because I may disagree or agree with you, but I have to write it down. There's energy there. Correct. There's something there that just, yeah, I do that all the time. So with the ability, because I told you that like, I know this for myself, out of everything that I screw up, what I do on a daily basis, being a leader is something that I've always wanted to develop more and more and more. That is my knack. I love yeah. being a leader because I love to mentor people. And that is what is taking me so long because it's taking me that little by little to try to get better yeah. and get better and get better until it gets me to the ultimate. And I'm one of those guys that I was very hesitant. When I when I was approached by Scott and asking me if I wanted to be the deputy chapter captain in RV, I was like, hmm. I don't know if I want to, uh, but I told him, yes, okay, I'll do it. No no issue. I got this. I do it. And then I started thinking, it's like, okay, you just say yes to something that is a really big responsibility. Yeah. Like, it's not just something you can take lightly. And you had hesitation, but then you pulled the trigger. I, I did because I'm a leader. Like, and I'm never, what did tell an army? Never back down. And then if somebody offers you something, you never say no. You yeah. always say yes. That is just the mentality. You always say yes. I hesitated in my head. It took me more than, I would say more than 30 seconds to yeah. be able to respond yes. I tap danced a little bit for everything that I had to do or I was supposed to be doing in between quotation marks, mm -hmm. but it was all excuses. Yeah. I, I have the time available right now of my job, why not invest the time back in the community? So yeah. I started thinking really hard, like I said, what is it that I want to do? What is it that is needed for this team to be successful? Because I've been around the area for a, li about a little bit over a year. What do we need? And the first one, and I started going back for the only things that I know, acronyms. Yeah, 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 it's what we do. <laughs> what we do. In case, in case anybody's curious, like for if, if you own a business and you're hiring people, and you are looking at any sort of veteran for your position, just know that if they're not telling you outright, they have a secondary degree in the ability to use and flex acronyms to your benefit. We will come up with them because that is how we communicate 90% of our conversations are done through acronyms. But at the same time, I had a hard time because I didn't know how to narrow. So I just used what I already had. I had RWB and I said like, okay, what does that word means really for me? How am I gonna use it? And I'm gonna tell you backwards because this is the way I walked yeah. it through. I started with the W and I was just like, okay, I mean, I'm sorry, with the, with the B. But like, how do I wanna use that? And it's like, okay, I wanna have a, a breakthrough. How do I wanna use that breakthrough? And man, there was so many things that I just thought about it. It was like, okay, this is gonna be a really lonely path. Uh, got it. I have a lot of fear that I'm gonna fail at this and a lot of people are gonna be counting on me. And then there's how many walls am I gonna have to tear down on people to actually come and invest this energy with me? Those hit like right away, boom. I was like, oh, okay, what is the breakthrough? But then I started thinking like, if I'm having these fears, anybody who is going to be doing that is gonna have some of those fears. You're gonna hesitate a little bit because all of those are there. There's just a lonely path that you're gonna be walking by yourself. I get it. But we can share some of those fears and we can share some of that energy and walk together, understanding what, what I learned in my military career, that making mistakes are okay. Empowering people after making the mistakes is even better. Yeah. So how do you manage and how do you do that? Do people make mistakes in the team? Absolutely. I just finished making one not too long ago. Like, <laughs> not too long ago. <laughs> However, I was, I was honest about it and I was like, hey, I 
sorry. Like, I really messed this one up. Like, I get it. I need you guys' support. And, and that's when everything changed. And, like, and that was a breakthrough. If, like, I want people to know what our chapter means, it's like, hey, come and break through your fears. Come and break through your loneliness because we will help you put some of those walls down and fight the security you need with somebody here. It might not be everyone, yeah. but there's that one person that might provide you that security blanket that you need to at least talk to someone. So that is the breakthrough that I, I off the back. Man. And then I was like, okay, let's try to go in order. Let's try to go with the W. That didn't work out for me. Yeah. Uh, so I went straight to the R because I always thought that the most important one that everybody wants in the military is respect. You have to get the respect somehow. However, it is easier to give respect than get it. Yeah. So respect one of was one of those things like hey, no matter what, no matter what background, no matter what you do, no matter where you're from, you have to be able to endorse that respect. The people are respected. Come to your team. We respect you. We want you. This is a, a place that you can be respected. That nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to worry about what you're doing. Come walk, crawl, do whatever you want to do. We will respect you because of, because you're at least trying. We yeah. will give you, you that respect. You showed up. You showed up. And so you don't have to. It's right. a completely volunteer thing. And the fact that you're there already provides you with an endorsable amount of respect right not like it's not like a patronizing thing where it's like yeah no i respect you like it's so like like you know like you had to actually show up yeah and there are there were there were breakthroughs that most likely had to happen before that moment in that person's life to make that decision to show up absolutely you know and so acknowledging that that's huge that's that's really awesome that, that's what I'm very vocal and that's when I see a new person and I, I, I can say that I, I catch every single one of them because I, 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 ADD is really bad and I cannot stay focused on one thing I have to move to the another one and I have to move I to the next one and, and honestly I, I tell you that I do my best to be able to talk to every single talk to every single one that comes to the events I will miss one or two but that's when that team part that I say that like I need everybody to become this and start talking to everybody to be able to help with those breakthroughs. Those breakthroughs are key with new members. They are. Oh man, and once you get them that respect and you you let them know they're like, hey man, you did awesome. And they tell you, but I only walked. Man, I tell you that Pam the other day, Pam Howie is one of my, my, one of my player directors for the chapter. She told me something the other day that I have to change and I completely respect it goes back to the respect that every time that I say I only did a 5K or I only did a 10K or it kind of takes away that respect because it does. So, yeah, absolutely. So that is one of those things that I have to be very careful and I have to listen to what I say all the time and I have to listen to other people what they're saying because the power of that on other people. That's that's something that I've hit on in this show a lot is actually it's not like the it's the power of the conversation right mm-hmm. and, and and you and i can be at how to run or we can be at jf gregory and we can be getting ready to go for a run and you and i are having a conversation and we have a relationship and so when we're talking we have background and we are able to reference things and to highlight things and we also have shared similar experiences both being in the military both being senior leaders in the Correct. military both being on the enlisted so there's a there's a lot of compatibility there um and so we're able to communicate in a way that maybe some other people aren't 
and we're you and I of all people are probably going to do this in a way that is louder yes, and is going absolutely. to is going to absolutely. lend itself to the possibility <laughs> of other people hearing. Correct. And so it's not about you could tell me that you only did a 5K and I can relate to that and be like, yeah, man, I get it. Like I when I was recovering and I and I was getting back into it, like I rolled my ankle, I sprained it, and then I was coming back and I did a 5K and like I really wanted to do a 10, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't make it and I only did a 5K. Like I can relate to that, but that person that just ran their 5K and their time was shit, like compared to other people in the group per se. And compared to what they think that they're able to do, but it was like their first one and they're really proud of the fact that they mm -hmm. ran it, that really, that can demoralize that. Absolutely. And it, so that's, I love that she brought that up. I think that's so significant. So I was listening to something after Pam told me that and I was just like, you know something, you're completely right. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I did it. And I did it during a big event too. And I was just like, oh man, you know something? Oh, you're completely right. Yeah. The very next day, I was hearing something on the radio, and it was something like it's something that might be really, really easy for you. It is extremely hard for someone else, and it, and just like it was like, oh my gosh, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's so crazy how the world will will come together to help you focus on the things. I was just talking to my wife about this. Like, I when we fo it's it's the idea of like when you buy a new truck mm -hmm. and then you see that truck everywhere, you're like, ah, oh, the Chevy Silverado. <laughs> like, now I see that there are 1500 of them, yeah, 1500s, you know? And uh she my wife she did a she had like a golf scramble. And so before she went out, she was like went to the driving range and I've driven through Fort Stewart hundreds of times at this point, right? And I didn't realize until today that next to the golf range on Fort Stewart, there's a driving range. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I drove by it every single day. And I just, I glanced over and I saw the, they had like the individual like mm -hmm. little yeah. walls, you know, so that for the people in their own lanes can hit the ball. And then I could see out the big ovals with the, the yard signs on it. And it was the fact that I, like she took videos of her and her daughter uh, golfing and taking the swings. And I saw, and so like that, visually cued it in my mind and so when i looked out over and i was like oh that's oh my has that been there the whole time <laughs> like and yes it has and so but it's it's one of those mental cue things and so it was so cool that pam essentially like laid up yeah. this this idea for you and it's the the world reaffirmed it yeah. and it was like no and it's because like you're paying attention like you could have heard that same thing without pam like bringing out the ability for it to be highlighted and you'd be like yeah of course i know that like like and it, it wouldn't have hit home in that way but then it was like it was a way like she started the nail into the board and that was like the last hammer strike down that like sunk that nail and you're like that's it absolutely you know when you were little and you did something wrong and your mom just came behind you kind of smacked you behind yeah. the head that's exactly <laughs> yeah. how i felt and yeah. i was like you know something love you pam thank you and yes. that's all that's all i could say at that moment i was just like okay ensure that you reinforcing that respect that you're supposed to give everyone because hey this is a team that we're like empowering people to do what you can yes. how you can do it doesn't matter what bring a scooter if that's how you have to start yeah. do so yeah, did your did your daughters go on the run on their scooters? They did. I saw I saw that it was uh it was the last Wednesday. I don't know when this is gonna record into relation when this was. So like in the towards the end of October on a Wednesday, uh, they I saw your daughters, it was the first time I met them and I saw them on their scooters and instantly the beautiful thing about that again was modeling behavior. Mm -hmm. Like I am a father of three and 
I have the kids usually for like one week, one full week out of the month. And during that week, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can't, I'm not going to go out and run. Because my youngest is, I actually just went for a run with them. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I'm going to feel it out. I'm going to see if I can do a 5K with them, with all of them. Right. And so I took them out for a mile run, which ended up being one and a half. And my youngest, who is, she just turned seven, uh, she ran the whole thing. She ran the whole thing. And I was like, Woo! Really? That's, awesome. That's like That's awesome. you're like right there. <laughs> you're right there for a 5K. Like you throw another mile on that, and like yeah. honestly, at the end of it, she wasn't like falling over and collapse. That's you know, awesome. like I was like, I think we can do this. And so, but then, but then after that, I saw your daughters out there who were older than my youngest, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, not obviously to anyone that's listening, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, they are. And how old are they? They're nine. Nine. So that's like my my middle, like my son. That's like mm-hmm. my son's age. Um, I'm like, oh, if I had scooters, like Kaylin, my oldest, she's 12. She can yeah. run. Like, not that she can't, she will. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but like for Tyler and Mackenzie, uh, my two youngers, that like they could, I could get them scooters. And I could bring them out there. And then it could be like this fun thing for them where they're not like, oh, I don't want to go run. It's like, oh, they get to be around other kids. And other kids have scooters because there's mm-hmm. other kids out there. You know, and I'm like, oh, well, like the, the opportunities that open up for me that just through that again through that model behavior for right. you making those decisions with your kids, so I think that's phenomenal. So that's that was the R. So we got we have the breakthrough with the B. Right. We have respect with the R. Yeah. The last one, I think this is the hardest one because everybody has different goals, and establishing those goals is something. Sometimes bringing yourself back from your goals and allowing to other people to help get to their goals, it is just as important and being wanted. When you start breaking yourself into sections and it happens, this for example, Wednesday runs. As much as I love them, there is so many different small pockets. They, they're great because they support each other, but then you find that individual doing it by himself. Yeah. And that's when I started getting a little worried. And that's when you start seeing me running up and down like a crazy man. Yeah. So make sure that nobody runs by themselves because I yeah. want them to know that they're wanted there. They that part it is extremely important because I think the breakthrough is great and the respect is awesome but uh, without knowing that you're wanted to be there that it falls apart yeah. completely so that is like I put it and I'm glad that it's right in the middle because it kind of holds on to the other two without the wanted part the other two don't exist yeah and no, you, get, about, you get ever you can go there and you can feel again this goes to me this goes back to the to how you motivate people because one what, what essentially what you're talking about is you're wanting how do you motivate people to come join the RWB be a part of the organization and and to really to better their lives and that's part of the marketing is like this is here so your life can be better mm-hmm. and through your life being better it'll help make our lives better Correct. and through making our lives better we can make the community better right. and that just flourishes throughout um one of the things that I really, really, really love about the way that you mentally processed through using RWB as an acronym was one, you did it backwards. But then Unintentionally. you went out of order. No, but that's the thing. That's the thing. That's like to me, it's it's the flexibility that you went into it with. Because we can get so rigid and we can get so caught up in things needing to be done in such a way because we're, we're putting these limitations on it. We're putting these extra rules on it. And there, there's a ton of value in limitations existing. And I won't get into that whole spiel right, right. now. But they're like the fact that limitations exist make things valuable and right. worth doing. Um, but 
arbitrary limitations that we self-impose that keep us from acting, I think that that's something that I really want to inspire people to, to overcome. Um, I have a whole side sprayer story for my kitchen that, like, I didn't even know what a side sprayer, <laughs> that that was the name of the thing, of the nozzle that you yeah. use to spray dishes. That's the actual name of that oh, device. That's I awesome. Never, Thank you. I, I, never, I, I didn't know that either. I, I don't think anybody knows. I just used <laughs> like the host thingy. Yeah, yeah. The spray, it's a sprayer. It's a, yeah, it decides on the side, and it's, it's a side sprayer. That's good. So I had to look it up after this event occurred. I, I went, I lived in my current apartment for mm -hmm. six months, and the very first time that I was doing dishes, I pulled out the side sprayer, and I went to spray something, but I had like six inches of hose. And I was like, I can't get it to the right sink because I want to spray the dishes on the other side. I'm like, well, looks like the side sprayer is not a thing that's going to be used here. And so I went for six months wow. with not using it. I didn't, just didn't think about it. I just checked it off as a capability that did not exist. Because to me, I was like, whatever. Like I mainly do the dishes in the dishwasher and I just rinse it off with a sponge, throw mm -hmm. it in the dishwasher. So for whatever reason, six months later, I went to use it. And when I pulled it, the whole thing just came out. Plenty of hose. And I was like... <laughs> What happened? <laughs> and so then, six months of not having the side sprayer, I decide to look underneath. The nozzle that turns the water on and off, the hose is underneath of it. It can't. It rests naturally mm -hmm. underneath of that nozzle. And so if it's there, it'll go up and it'll get, it'll get stuck on the nozzle. And I was like, oh, this silly limitation, this silly obstacle that is not really an obstacle but was enough, was enough to be there, affected my life negatively for six months because I allowed it to. Because I didn't take a moment to sit back and like think, awesome. and like what choice could I make that could affect this? And I was like, nope, I'm just gonna accept <laughs> this, this pebble of an obstacle as a boulder in the middle of the river that's diverging the water across two different ways. Like a completely absurdly. And so like how many times are we doing that with our lives Correct. You know, as a whole, and so that's the fact, and all of this goes back to you using the acronym in the order in which that you wanted, that you ended up coming up with this beautiful expression of what RWB is. And, and, it, and, and I can say, unbiasedly, like, I am, I am pretty, not judgmental, but like, I have standards. And so when I go out to be a part of a group organization, if it's messed up, I'm like, that's cool. Like, I'm glad that I took the opportunity and essentially I kind of rolled the dice to see what was going on and I'm cool. I did it once. Y'all have fun. I'm not going to participate anymore because you're all jacked. Like, it's going to be more stress in my life to be involved with you guys in any which way than just not being involved. And I'm not, I'm not looking to add stress and I'm looking to add in a, a value. And so... That's not what RWB is. RWB is not a stress. I went out there and the very from the very first time to every single time that I've uh, that I've participated in any event that was sponsored or ran adjacent with RWB has been phenomenal. And it lives up to every one of those standards that you have imposed. The respect, the being wanted, and the breakthrough. So it goes back to and I tell you, and, and I appreciate you saying that because I, I'm trying to portray that. I'm trying to portray someone that they can ha come without the stress of anything else. And that's yep. what it should be. It, yep. it should be a place that you can come and just completely relax and do what you have to do. So I, at least one goal is being met. Yeah. Let's just go with yeah. that. Well, I mean, and I can say because there are obstacles that I have to break through in order to get there because I live in Hinesville. And when I run, it's typically on the Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. And that's at How to Run, which is in Savannah. And it's at 6. 
And so it's like, okay, I got to get out of work and I've got to base my kind of like weekly workout right. schedule in a way that is conducive of a run worth running on that day. My back is jacked up. It's painful, but I love it. Like, like there are, there are so many reasons that I can come up with time after time. Where I'm like, uh, nah, yeah, I'm good. I'll just go to the gym. Like I do every other day. And, and, but I don't. Like, I go whenever I can. If there's not something specifically like I have an engagement that is going to take me out, I'm going to be there. And so, and then I ask myself, like, why? I'm like, it's the people. It's the people. But it's it's the people like you who have created that sense of, like, being one. Like, when I go out there, I'm like, oh, my God. This, everyone's so lively and they're, like, they're so happy. And people, I, I know when I go there, there are people that I don't know who are going to engage with me. They're like, hey, how's it going? Like, I don't know you. I'm good. How are you? You know, and I love that. I think that's great. So I was very, very specific of who I selected off my leaders. And I tell you that all of this and the success of this chapter is happening is because of my leaders. I just kind of, I'm like that lineman that I'm just kind of like pushing people yeah. where they need to go. I, I really do very minimal to what really happens. I do more off the scenes and I sure. do more that way than actually being that person up front and also there's the majority of my leaders like you met mary you met pammy you met stephanie they actually make all of this happen and then they bring in the people who have that positive energy they have made the chapter successful right now and the only thing that i did at the very beginning i was very selective for who i wanted to be the initial chapter leadership when that is when i started as a being a player director i'll do this or do that i was very selective and i did it for various reasons just like any business i know my population within the team is a little higher in female when it comes to attendance and yeah. male so i'm going to have a little bit more female leaders because it just makes sense it, it makes does. it more comfortable so i started looking at all of the stuff i am a business major so i have to take some of those in consideration yeah. just because it's like it just makes sense but well, it the, would be I'm trying to think of what, what it would be if you are a person who is educated in this field, who knows what to do, and chooses not to do it. Stupid? It, it, it would make I mean, no you, sense. Yeah, right. It would make no sense. Like, you know, you know the, the... And it's not just that it's... Like, it's not just that it's, like, good marketing, you know what I mean? Or, like, it looks better. It's that, like, it's for a specific reason. Like, you're looking at your actual audience. Right. And you're not like, woman power for woman power. It's like, no, I want... Like, if the majority of the people that are coming out are women and they feel more comfortable when they when they have other women that are in charge and in positions of authority, like, I want my group to feel comfortable and I want them to be happy. And this is the thing. And it's not even just that. It's that you're still, it's still not just like, okay, let's just put women in charge. Like, the women who are running that are, that are in positions of authority and of power and of leadership, they're amazing. I look at them and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't do what you do. Like, I, I mean, maybe. But, like, Pam is amazing. Yeah. Mayor, I've got a chance over the last week or so to actually get to know Mary a little bit better. And she's phenomenal. She is. She just reached out for an AAR this morning. I know. Like, for she the, for the, for the uh, event that we were talking about earlier where um, RWB did volunteer work for the Trunk or Treat in Richmond Hill. Like, the... The ability that you do this, you did this with your conversation with Pam, and she's doing it with her, with the post-operation of this event, is your guys' ability to check ego at the door for the betterment of the organization is, again, that modeled behavior that I would love to see every organization take on. It, it, it is. 
I tell you that it's dual, but it just takes everybody to be able to be one part of that team. So very important that I did from the very beginning, every single one of the leaders were very, very specific that the mission of the team is this. Regardless of what happens. It's so important to have what, that shared understanding, to have a shared understanding of the mission statement of the organization. And that's when I told you at the very beginning how you develop that team as you establish that mission very specific. Yep. Very specific. This is the mission. This is what we're doing. Yep. Let's develop trust. And after I've established a mission and develop the trust, then we can start working with each yeah. other. And we can, at that point, you become transparent. Because yeah. if you make a mistake, like I just told you that I did that day, hey, I made a mistake. I got it. Take care of me because yep. if this happens the other way, I will do the same thing for you. And it's one of those things like, and we know this through experience in the military and just leadership is that like mistakes don't get better with time. No. And it doesn't matter what organization or what aspect of your life you're talking about. Like if you mess up, like your best bet is to turn around and just don't, don't let that fester and to, and to build up because it will, it's doesn't, it's nothing's going to get better. Right. Like just, especially when there's time sensitive and there's other people involved, like, okay, hey, Drop the ball, or like I made this decision and this was the wrong call. We need to we right. need to adjust fire right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I tell you, so if I could say that I could take credit for all of this now, I, I'm literally right. I am such a small part of what's going on. Yeah. I, I am the only thing that I am, and I'm trying to like filter all the energy, all these amazing people, and I'm talking to the entire chapter. Once you guys listen, if you guys do listen, a you're your positivity and your people that you're bringing to the team is what's making this family. And when I mean that this is a family, this is what it's becoming. It is no more longer a team that just comes together. We kind of just do what we have to do and everybody just kind of like disappears. Right. Everybody just hangs around. They talk to each other. Yeah. They actually, they are a community like it's supposed to. Once you start seeing those changes, you start seeing that family being developed. All of that is because of the people who are coming to us because they're seeing what we can provide. And honestly, it, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome experience so far. And honestly, I'm looking forward to more. Now that uh, for all the guys listening out there, yeah. if you want to be a leader, let us know. We want to be able to do more. We want to reach out to more people. There's places that we have reached out. We haven't reached out to Rankin. Polar, yeah. we still have something started over there. So okay. just know, Tony, okay. that I'm coming after you. Yeah, we're <laughs> you're on the list. Uh, so. All of those places that I want to be able to reach out and start doing things is yeah. because this is a huge community. Yeah, it really is. And it's so, it's the thing is that it's so, the thing that I found out through this, through my show is that it's so connected. It is. Like the people around here, they all know each other. Absolutely. And so, and that's, that's another thing that like, that gives me confidence about your, organ, about this organization and its future in this specific chapter is because of the emphasis that you put on the type of organization that you want to be truthfully like at your core it's going to do well because that is what is going to resonate like if you if you get a bad vibe out there like it's going to be harder to dispel it in this area because everything is so connected mm -hmm. like the people that i know that are doing amazing things i've i've met people and had them on the show that I've never met before, and and they knew somebody that I had, had like 17 interviews ago. Like, oh yeah, I know him. We're good buddies. We were in the boat club together. I'm like, what? you're not even in the same part of the state. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And we didn't even meet when we were in Georgia. I'm like, oh, of course. 
Like it's it's crazy how connected it is down there. And it, it, it's funny that you're saying that because sometimes I, there's you know there's events that get posted on our Facebook page mm-hmm. and there's stuff like that. And also now we get a text message or an email or something from somebody that's like, hey, you might want to be careful with this one. And yeah. it's like and there's somebody else that starts talking about it and somebody else starts talking about it. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa okay, I know, I, I know that I know you that I've talked to you once, but I am not really sure. So it, it, it's one of those filterings of like, hey. I know that you know so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so, I know you, and I respect you a lot, and I have entirely, all my trust is in you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take your word for this, and I'm going to apply it to the team, because this is where my mission is going, and I don't want that mission to be obscure in any way as I'm doing it. So you're completely right. You you will see the messages that sometimes I get. It's like, hey, are you guys related to these people, these people? Because we have a vibe with these people, these people. And we're like, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) We are not about that. We don't do nothing like that. If you want something to happen, get a hold of me and we'll discuss it. And we'll sit down. And just like I did with you, let's go have some lunch. And we'll have some lunch and we'll discuss it. Exactly. But it's been honestly, I, I tell everybody, it's like running a small business that you just love with all of your heart like anybody who's running a business loves their business with all their heart but this is something that i'm throwing my heart out because i truly believe they can make the difference on that community do i want it to make a difference on the younger community yes because they are a future so if i start talking about my plans and if my goals will be if yep, everything that was works exactly out, where i was going to go to next if everything works out for rudy the right way i am going after that school that is in savannah okay and i start reaching out here can yeah. you imagine how big of a population oh, i have and, there and huge boost. you, you yes. see what i'm saying so but i'm reaching out the population that i wanted to be able to have a healthy relation with the community and be able to actually just grow that way not saying that they don't have one Mm-hmm. However, let just at Grow least it. let them Why know that yet? hey, we are available to you. Mm-hmm. So if that is what you want to see rooted to spread in from there, I know that it's just gonna branch out little by little, and hopefully be able to just create that that community that has something to fall back on, and that the leaders of the communities, the different areas that we have here, can reach out to say, hey, we need your help. Can you come and talk to a high school about mentoring? Can yeah. you talk, come and talk to a high school about resiliency? Or can you do this for this? Can you volunteer? We need you guys' presence. We need you guys' spirit. Come and do this for that. That'll be awesome. That'll be like Rudy's like, yes. Yeah, once you get to the point when, they, when it switches and, and schools are looking for you versus you putting your name out of schools. Correct. Yep. That, and, that, you know, and so that was, it's like I was going to ask essentially to, to let you get on your way I was going to break this down into two last kind of questions and one of them you just essentially answered mm-hmm. it was going to be what what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's who's operating in a similar sphere as you on the civilian on your civilian sector and really the actions that you're taking I think are really the advice like you know get involved in the community get empower your people and everything like that and and really the whole the actions that you're taking to expand the organization within but the one thing like we're talked about cultural shifts so i think we'll try to end it on this note if you are giving advice to those intermediate level leaders to junior soldiers and junior leaders what kind of advice would you give to them that would help usher in the cultural change that we're talking about that would help the army and the individual because to me change always happens on the individual level and then mm-hmm. it then it will fall out to the organization as a whole and so the, the those changes are going to happen on the leader to the soldier level and so what advice are you able to give and to those leaders so i tell you that 
it is not very complicated all right so we all have gone most of us have gone from one duty station to another one and we gain some of those experiences from the other units some being better than other ones and we have some price and some attachment to other ones and we always say well back at brag or back at 101st <laughs> yeah. back at this place back in the other place the grass was always greener somewhere else and if i say if you want to adapt to the culture that you have in front of me look at what you have in front of you and take it for what it is and develop it don't worry about what you learned before or how it was done in another place take those experiences use them but see what's in front of you learn to harness what they have available to you and if you're able to do that then you're going to grow that specific because not every single group team squad whatever you go and do is going to be the same so getting to know what are the capabilities what are their strengths and weaknesses is going to help you grow the team we don't do a very good job with that no. we do a lot of the back of brag yep. back 101st yep. and we just take those experiences that have worked before and we try to apply them to a new group yeah. that new group might not work for them at no. all so I think, that's, I think that's a great point and especially if you're the way because you're not telling people to to check their learned experiences at the door and to show up with a fresh brain that you've never done the job before like show up with the experience that you have but i, I like the idea of of a leader showing up and doing their their 90 day assessment or 30 60 90 mm -hmm. day assessment where they're like they're kind of more in receive mode they're kind of more in like look i'm gonna i'm gonna absorb what's happening in the organization sometimes that's sometimes you can do that sometimes it's hard because it that's is the op tempo um but if you have the time take it and and to absorb it and to look and then think about the things that you were able to to use the tools you were able to use in the last unit and and to me instead of trying to to force that square peg into the round hole you know the the brag peg into the campbell hole and this can work for any organization that you're transitioning to and from is ask like start with where this is like exactly what we said start at where that organization is look at what you have in front of you and then ask the people that have been there like hey have you ever considered like i like i see this now that i've been here for 90 days mm -hmm. i see that this seems to be an issue like would you would you agree that like this is an issue like that i've identified and then you validate They're like yeah no i see that that's been messed up I, I don't know what's going on there and you're like okay like i what do you think about something like this to help mitigate that problem and then they can think and then you never even have to bring up the fact that back at brag we did it this way. Like it's not relevant where you learned it from. It's like, right. does is it a tool that will work to fix this job? So I think that there is some of that that has to be included. I, but I tell you that when I'm talking about getting to know who what you have in front of me, I'm talking getting to know that person. I love it. Because yeah. put it yeah. this way, I can ask you how to fix something to you, but I can go back and ask another person how to fix it. And if I ask him the same way that I did it, he might not catch what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. However, if I know both of you in a personal level and I know what makes your brain move rather than his brain move, I can ask the specific questions to get the specific answer that I need. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Once you show up to you. a unit, look at what you have in front of you. I get get to know them. Do they have a family? Absolutely, it is important. But how is their thinking going what is your thinking process based on right. that family rather than a single guy yeah it's it's a single even, guy more mature family to family, even just, right. like, just like you said the the difference from person to person is huge absolutely and so like like i've seen the people that that give more than half their paycheck up 
to a family that's back in Puerto Rico. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, shit, man. Like, and you wonder, like, how is this sergeant first class having these financial problems? Absolutely. Like, oh, it's because he's giving away half his money to his family. Absolutely. Like, and so, like, and that wasn't the problem that you had with the guy that was your sergeant first class over in the last duty station. So you're the... The, that relationship is going to be entirely different. I think that's that's beautiful. So that that's what I, that's what I mean. Is like we we come up with this stigma from unit to unit, and we fail to look at the person. We fail to look at the soldier as a person first, yes, and then as a soldier. Yeah. Once you start transitioning that mentality, you start looking at the person as a as a person, and then as a soldier, and then what is it that need to be fixed? Trust me, you were going to get so farther ahead because when that person makes the mistakes that he's going to make in the process of fixing that issue, then you can provide that true mentorship at the personal level rather than, hey, this is how I fixed it back and brag, go fix it this this time because yeah. that's what's going to happen. So that, that stigma, I'm telling you, can the army change? Absolutely. Is it going to require, like you said, a complete culture shift and mentality shift? Yes, absolutely. Did I think this way? It's because I love being, I love to mentor. And if you like, Look at it. Everything that I do nowadays and everything that I want to do, I just want to mentor people. Yeah. Help them go through that thought process that the army is not the only thing you have to worry about in your life. You have a social life and you have a family life that you have to take care of. How do you manage and how do you combine them all so you're the same person throughout all of them? Mm -hmm. It is very important. Now, is it difficult? Yes. Yeah. It is extremely hard. I can assure you it is. But once you find the happy medium, you are gonna be your leadership style is gonna be so consistent. It doesn't matter where you move, doesn't matter where you go, you are going to be successful because you are basing your leadership style of taking care of people rather than taking care of somebody who you have to manage for a little while. Mm -hmm. That huge differences. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's that's phenomenal, um, and it's so, it's it's. A, it's just an important thing for all of us to really look at the people around us and, and the people that we're working with that you don't have to have a personal relationship with. And this isn't even saying that you have to have a personal relationship, but, like, understand them as people first. Yes, absolutely. That's great. Thanks, man. Not I really appreciate you coming on. And like, this is probably one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. It's so. fun. <laughs> this is fun. I can get you, I can get used to this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, and and I would love to be able to have you and other people from the RWB and That'd even have great. like do like a like a sit down with you and Mary both. Yeah, like that would be pretty fun. That'd be fun. Um, but yeah, no, and your whole organization and just the energy that you guys bring is phenomenal. I'm I feel honored to be a part of it, and I'm even more humbled and honored that you were willing to give me so much of your time today. Not so not thanks a, a lot, man. It was my pleasure. Oh, oh, before we sign off for real, for real, um, if people want to get, if people want to figure out where the events are happening and the best way to like get spun up with your guys' group, like how do they do that? Okay, so it's very simple. Everybody has internet. If you don't know how to use it, a Sergeant Google knows everything. Go to Google, <laughs> yeah. type team RWB. Team RWB is going to bring you to a page. It's called teamrwb.org. Right? It's a nonprofit organization, so you don't have to pay absolutely nothing for it. Register it. Once you register for it, your home chapter is the Savannah Force Tour chapter. Number one, once you register, it's going to prompt you to all of our events. You can see them there. You can download an app. That app will tell you everything that is happening within our chapter. Find us on Facebook. We're on Facebook, Savannah Force Tour chapter. 
as requests to be part of the group. We will accept you. I promise you. We haven't denied <laughs> anybody yet. What? So if for people, I know the span of this goes out pretty far and wide. Um, for people that aren't local, then so if they go to rwb.org, will they be able to like search by location? Absolutely. You can okay. put your zip code in, and you okay. they should be able to spit out the closest one to you. And this is not veterans only. Like no, you said, this like sixty percent of the population Absolutely. is civilian. And so don't let the fact that you haven't served or don't, if, if you haven't, don't let the fact that you haven't stop you from being involved. If anything, like, it's so, just like Rudy said, it's so important that you get involved because it's people like you that are going to take the step to be a part of an organization like that that is really going to help that veteran make that transition easier and, and even if they're not transitioning to to create a more fulfilling life while they're serving than they have now so please go to rwb.org and find the chapter that's low that's closest to you if you are in the area around here this chapter is particularly amazing but i have a feeling that that is not a unique thing in the rwb community so wherever you're at reach out figure it out if you if you need any help like contact me through the show i can link you up to rudy and we will we will get it worked out thanks everyone for coming back again i love and appreciate all of you i'm so happy that rudy was here and and we had this conversation i hope i know that you guys got value out of this it was it was such a good talk and rudy and i could go for hours you know <laughs> and so uh it'll be very likely that i'm gonna have him back on again at some point um, and just to see especially as he starts to go through his transition now um, upon retirement but he's he is an amazing individual i'm, I'm so happy that he was willing to share uh, his background and his experiences and, uh, and, and that you guys were able to absorb that uh, that knowledge and that experience and, and you can hopefully put that in your in your kit bag and you can carry it forward in your own life whether uh, no matter what aspect of life you're trying to improve whether it's your business or your relationships or um, your career whatever it is um, these are invaluable tools so again this is the last interview show for 2019 so I I want to give my most heartfelt appreciation for you um, for sticking with me throughout the year and i'm i'm so excited about 2020 there's so many amazing things coming so please stick around and be a part of the movement and i look forward to seeing you seeing you here in 2020